Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, coming to you from World Headquarters in Atlanta. And we begin our podcast today with outstanding news, our 2021 Naismith Outstanding Contributors to Men's and Women's Basketball, announced this week by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. And we're so pleased to recognize Tom Jernstedt, who will be recognized posthumously. And Carol Stiff is the women's winner this year, chosen by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club's Board of Directors. Carol will be honored later this year, and Tom's family will receive the award in his honor. Tom Jernstedt was an amazing man. What he did in nearly four decades at the NCAA was turn the Final Four into what we enjoy today. He's known as the father of the Final Four. The first one that he ran was back in 1973 and held that position up until 2010. He's in the Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield, and deservedly so. He has had such a major impact on the game of college basketball and the tournament as we know it. And uh, we are so thrilled that Tom is our outstanding contributor, and we're very happy that his family will be accepting the award in his honor. As for Carol, boy, what a pioneer and driver in terms of the women's game on television. Carol's the vice president of women's sports programming and acquisitions at ESPN, and she's responsible for getting the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship Games on ESPN. She created the Tennessee-UConn rivalry, that matchup that is one of the best in college athletics, and she will be inducted this summer into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Carol Stiff as well. And we are also excited to announce that our 10 semifinalists for the Boys and Girls Jersey Mike's Naismith High School Trophy have been announced. You can learn more about those young people at NaismithTrophy.com. Let's get to our Jersey Mike's news and notes for the week. And how about the NC State women? My goodness, what an accomplishment as they go in to beat Louisville at the KFC Yum Center in Kentucky on Monday night. And what makes it noteworthy is the fact that this is the second time this season that NC State has gone on the road and knocked off a number one team. They went to Columbia and beat South Carolina when they were number one. It's just the third time that this has happened in women's college basketball in the last 20 years that a team beats two number ones in the same season. But what made it unique for the Wolfpack women, both of the wins coming on the road. What a job by NC State. On the men's side, we saw three huge upsets on Wednesday night. East Carolina stunned number five Houston in Greenville. Villanova lost to St. John's and Georgetown. How about Patrick Ewing coming up with a big win at Creighton? We're also seeing some separation in the conference standings in the ACC and the SEC. Virginia winning on Wednesday night over NC State. Virginia now 8-1 and one in the ACC. And they've got a game-and-a-half lead now. Florida State's at 6-2. and two. Virginia Tech losing on the road in an upset at Pitt. So they fall to 7-3. and three. So Virginia red hot and creating a little separation. Same two for Alabama. They are running away with the SEC regular season race. They now have a four-game lead over Missouri, Arkansas, Florida, LSU, and Tennessee. Next, our Citizen What to Watch For. Citizen, the official watch of the Naismith Award. Citizen EcoDrive watches are sustainably powered by light and never need a battery. 
Big Ten, the nightly occurrence of a major game. This week it falls on Thursday as Ohio State goes to Iowa. Coming up on Saturday in the Big Ten, it'll be Wisconsin at Illinois in the headliner. Alabama goes to Missouri after the Tigers knocked off Kentucky in the midweek game. And in the Big 12, it will be Kansas trying to pull off the stunner at West Virginia as they take on the Mountaineers. My guest this week is the head coach of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, Rick Stansberry, the Campbellsville, Kentucky native, former SEC Coach of the Year during his time at Mississippi State. And we talked to Rick not only about the Hilltoppers and the season they're going through and playing around this pandemic, but we wanted to have Rick on to talk about his junior big man, 6'11", 235-pound Charles Bassey, a Nigerian-born big man who is a Naismith Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He's got an interesting backstory, the recruitment of him coming to the United States at the age of 14, all of that with Rick Stansbury. But first, this word from Jersey Mike's. Good things come to those who wait. At Jersey Mike's, they also come to those who don't. Download our app, order ahead, and skip the line. Cut to the Chase by Jersey Mike's. Be a sub above. Well, Rick, it is a joy to catch up with you, sir. How are you doing? How are you holding up through all this? Yeah, Bob, doing well. You know, it's kind of like you. It's an adjustment for all of us. So, you know, we've all had to make adjustments. It's a different just not the athletic world, but it's a different world. And, you know, it's you wake up every day and you take them one, one day at a time and, you know, wonder if you're going to practice that day or going to play the next day. So that's kind of the way it's been. And hats off, I think, to the players. We've had several coaches and administrators on our podcast, and they all have just saluted their student-athletes uh, for going through this. You know, it's I think the kids maybe handle it a little bit better than you and I. Uh, you tell them, well, we're going to play, and they say, great. Well, we're not going to play. We're going to practice. Okay, great. You know, they seem to be taking this much more in stride. Yeah, Bob, it's just not the athletic world. It's, it's new form and adjustment form. It's, it's just a world in general that, you know, for an 18-, 21-year-old young man, you know, over, you know, basically 10 months now, maybe 11 months, whatever it's been, uh, you're basically told to, Go to your room. Don't get out. Uh, no social gatherings. Uh, no dining out nowhere. And basically stay away from everybody. Get in a room and isolate yourself, which is kind of just the opposite in athletics. We, we always, you know, you know teach togetherness, uh, bonding, uh, teammates. So that's probably been harder on them than anything just from a – mental standpoint and mental health standpoint but we've been blessed you know knock on wood bob i don't know how we've done it we're yet to have a positive test among any of our players our coaches or managers to this point now time i get a test back this afternoon may all change but (laughs) right now we're yet to have one so that speaks volumes of kind of uh the way our guys have handled this right here well, you are on a short list in that category. That is amazing. And hats off to everyone there because it's it's so contagious. You know, we've talked to coaches that, you know, have done everything by the book, uh, and they still end up uh, with members of the team in some way, some staff or, 
you know, a manager, a walk-on, what have you. Um, it's so contagious, uh, and it's been such a, a menace uh, that for you all to get through unscathed like this so far, and, and I'm knocking on wood as we speak, uh, boy, hats off to you. That's amazing. Well, we've been... We, we've had some guys sent home from tournaments. You know, we start off in South Dakota in that bubble and that mm-hmm. bad boy buggy tournament, um, tournament used to have in the Bahamas. Uh, but we got contact traced by a bus driver in South Dakota. So we had to send two assistants home just because he's sitting at the same table with them before that tournament started. Then two weekends ago, you know, at, mi- at middle, you know, for whatever reason, I have a fever Saturday morning. But because strength coach and assistant coach was at my table the night before, they got sent home. So from that standpoint, none of us have ever been tested positive, uh, but we've had some contact tracing sent us home, uh, but no players to this point. So, again, uh, we've been blessed up to this point. Again, I think it speaks volumes of the kind of people we have and how they've handled the you know, off-court structure and um, how they've managed to – make the right decisions the best they can. And again, you make all the right decisions, still catch it. We understand that. It's very obvious you can put yourself out there and your risk goes up immensely if you're not making the right decisions. So I think our guys have done as well as anybody could ask them to this point. Well, Rick, you mentioned the tournament in South Dakota. And for this season, that's where the nation got their first look at your big man, your junior 6'11 center, Charles Bassey. Uh, the Memphis game was amazing. Uh, sort of put you and and he and the and the Hilltoppers on the map as a team to watch and a player to watch in Charles. He's got a fascinating backstory. I was wondering if you could share a little bit of his history and how he ended up in Bowling Green with you. Well, it goes back to days I was a you know at Texas A and M and um, his guardian was somebody I knew from Jackson State. Was at Mississippi State. He was assistant at Jackson State. Oh, Hennessy. Uh, he was somebody I knew, and he had called me and told me as this young man coming in, he would be, a, I guess, a freshman or maybe a sophomore in high school at that point, uh, 16, 6, 11. And, um, and basically the first time I saw him, basically when he, as soon as he got in, uh, he was at a workout, you know, John Lucas, have some kind of little tournament there, and I saw him there. At that point, you know, you could see his potential. Again, he was a being kid, uh, you know, liked a lot of skills, but the things that impressed me, impressed me then that, you know, I thought he thought he had the engine a little bit. You know, from that point on, you know, so as I saw him as first or second day he got into the country, um, from that point on I started recruiting. Yeah, I can remember that first morning I went over to his little school in San Antonio and they were practicing at 5 a.m. I got in there and he beat me there even. And, um, I just thought he thought he had an upside. Naturally, those kids like skill a little bit. And, uh, but from that point on, uh, I started recruiting him. And, uh, you know, he left San Antonio. I left a and got this job here. He changed high schools and went to a prep school then. Uh, Spire Academy up here in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, he was up there, I think, his junior and senior year, two years. And there I was able to really – seen more and had him down to a lot of games and uh, the relationship from that standpoint and him watching us play, seeing this atmosphere here and, you know, and him, you know, convincing him that, 
it's about going somewhere where you know you don't have to be a piece you can be a part go somewhere you can be special and impactful versus going somewhere and you know just being you know another guy you know all those things uh, he listened he trusted us on it and you know i think at this point it's i'm proud to see everything he's he came here for is kind of uh coming true for him well, he has put together, Rick, an amazing season. He leads the nation in rebounds, dunks, double-doubles. Uh, the blocks have been amazing. What do you think makes him such a special big man for you? Well, uh, you know, here's the biggest things with him. He, he's gotten so much better in all those areas. You know, I think his, his first year, first of all, when you come in as a young guy, you come in as a five-star, that don't mean that's what you are. It's what you can be. And sometimes people get disappointed. Well, he... He's not this or that yet. Well, again, it's what you can become. And even though he had a great freshman year for us, he was probably uh, defensive player of the year as a freshman and, uh, you know, had a great, great stats. I don't know what they were, but double-doubles, I'm sure. And we had some huge wins, you know, his freshman year against some top 25 teams. And uh, all that was good. And I really thought going to the Combine, you know, after his freshman year, he went out there and I think getting exposed to some things was a big help for him, you know, and, you know, basically they're the ones that are going to make decisions they draft you. But, you know, he, when he went to the combine, he was ranked a lot, I should say lower than he was when he came out. Once he came out, but you know, his draft stock really dropped the other way because, uh, you know, there's some things that exposed that he just wasn't ready to do yet. Um, and I, I think him coming back, going through that, going to work in the summertime, you know, going to work in the fall, and you know, I, I thought he would he'd be on his way to a great year last year until he got hurt. Uh, and once he got hurt, uh, you know, at that point, you just don't know, you know, how that injury is going going to be and how it's going to affect you in the future. But to his credit, uh, he went to work. Um, when everybody else is home during this uh, virus, you know, he's having to work out every day with our trainer and strength coach. And, you know, I really think it took some pressure off of him mentally. And I think in turn, you know, it made him hungry. I think his drive went up. Uh, his work ethic, you know, got better mentally, and which helped him physically. And I, I think that time, those three months, just rehabbing made him better. Uh, made him stand in the gym and kind of just shoot. Couldn't move, but just shoot. I think that's helped his shot. And I think the biggest thing once he's got back is um, there's no substitute for experience, the strength level, getting his body back in great shape. I think he's a lot more explosive than he's ever been. I think mentally he's more relaxed than he's ever been. He's just better. Every area of his game is better. And from the time he stepped in here to now, the the one thing too that's really changed is just his his engine. Uh, you know, used used to be he would, you know, go two hard possessions, take a possession off, or uh, but now there's not many possessions he's taken off anywhere. It'd either end, you know, particularly defensively, uh, he can really run the floor. Uh, I think he's got a taste now, step down making some threes, uh, which is good for him. I always believe he can shoot it, but now he's done it in the game. And once you get a little game experience doing it, it helps you too. So everything about him um, is better. 
and, and probably the one thing, you know, they don't show up in the stat sheet. If you were to have a, have a stat sheet down there, you know, where's his character? Uh, what kind of person is he? What kind of student is he? Uh, he's at the top of the food chain right there, Bob. That, that is the best part. And, you know, what also Rick caught my eye about his performance this season, he seemed to have played his best against the top-flight competition. Uh, you know, the West Virginia, Alabama, Memphis, Louisville, the, the guys that uh, have people his size or bigger, and he's more than held his own. I mean, he's dominated those games. He did that his freshman year, too. As a freshman, we had to play against West Virginia over there. I guess we had Conte, whatever his big name was. Conte, I think they were 12th in the country, and he dominated him. Went to Arkansas and played against our big guy that got drafted. Uh, Gafford played big there. So all those kind of games where he's been another good big man, uh, he's been at his best. Uh, those kind of games, you know, you know, brings out the best and the worst of you. And with him, it's always brought the best. Well, we are excited to recognize him on our watch list as the Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He's a strong candidate, there's no doubt about it. And, Rick, it sure is great to catch up with you. I'm so glad you're doing well and uh, and Charles is having such a great season. But I'm glad for the health report card that everybody is fine, and that's the best news of all. So, Rick, thanks for your time, and, and good luck the rest of the way. Okay, Bob. Thanks a lot. Rick, thank you. Good luck this weekend. And that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we'll take a little different tact on our interview. We'll be chatting with J.D. Collins, the man who runs the officials for the NCAA. We'll talk about what they've been going through this season and his preparations for the tournament. That's next week right here, so make a date to join us. And tell your friends to join us too. Rate and review us. That really helps us get the word out. We want college basketball fans everywhere to enjoy our guests and the news from Naismith. So join us again next week from Atlanta. Bob Rathman saying so long.